Welcome to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bronchick is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. Okay, today's topic of discussion is how to deal with bad tenants. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, people avoid being a landlord because of, and I don't think you need to necessarily avoid it, just learn how to properly deal with it, and or you can use property management. But I suggest if you're getting started, you should manage your own properties first so you get a feel for how you want it done, and then you can uh, pass that on over to a potential property manager for making sure that they do it the way you want it done. Okay. So um, the first thing we have to discuss is, you know, first of all, how to avoid bad tenants in the first place, which is thoroughly screening. Uh, People really fall down when it comes to screening tenants. uh, They get a little panicky about a vacant property. Even in today's market where it's a pretty landlord market and there's lots of tenants, they tend to just rush to get a tenant just to get it filled because they're afraid of a vacancy. And in the long run, you will lose more money and lose more hair from a bad tenant than from a vacant property. So make sure you do a thorough um, 50 state criminal and credit check. Um, there are many different websites available. I'm not going to go into which because there's so many of them. Pick one that you like. There's two kinds. There's one kind is uh, you could sign up through Experian or one of those services where you run the app yourself. You take the app and then you put the information in and then they spit you out a report, a credit report, criminal report. Um, the other kind, which is cheaper and easier to set up, is the one off kind where you take the information, put it in, it emails the potential tenant applicant to confirm it and then gives you the report. Um, If you're dealing in really low-end properties, it may be tough to get someone to confirm an email or someone who just doesn't have an email, which is almost unheard of these days, but there's a few. Um, Then you may have to just do it right in front of them um, and send it to your own email and with your laptop right there at the house and and get it done on your phone or whatever. Uh, but, But I do recommend you do credit, not just for their credit score. There's no minimum credit score that I use, but it's what the credit report will tell you about the person. Are they... Um, recently skipping out on on all their bills, so their their Comcast, their phone bill, their Verizon, their car payment, all that. So if it's way in the past, I wouldn't worry about it so much. But if it's recent, uh, you know, of course that affects their credit score more. But it's not just the score; it's it's what it tells you. If they fill out an application and they say X, Y, and Z, and you find out on their credit report that that's not true, um, lying is a big reason to reject somebody. Because you don't want uh, them hide. They're lying. They're hiding something. Probably you don't. They don't want you to know about. Uh, there are different levels of, of of criminal check. You can do a state check, which is cheaper than a federal check, a 50 state check. Even if they say I've lived in this state for 20 years, they could be lying. Uh, they could have lived somewhere else or committed a crime somewhere else. So it's not a bad idea, especially in multi-unit where you have an obligation to the other tenants to keep them free from uh, you know, thugs and criminals and rapists. Uh, I would really be leaning towards a 50 state. Now, each of these costs a fee, and it's perfectly okay to charge each applicant a fee, non-refundable to do this, especially now where there's multiple tenants lining up to rent your properties in this market. If it were different, then 
you know, you, you may uh, maybe charge less of a fee and eat some of it. But I would say in a, in a good landlord market, there's no problem. Everybody charges fees. They're non-refundable. And you charge to charge each applicant a fee. So if it's a husband and wife, each fills out a separate form. If there's a husband and a wife and adult child or friend or uncle living there each one fills out a form each one pays a fee you can't be discriminatory because you can't say husband and wife get one app and then two unmarried peoples get two apps that's discriminatory based on marital status so you have to do one for each adult it's going to be on the lease and every adult should be on the lease you want to get as many people as you can um make sure this is important does the tenant thoroughly fill out the application you give them? Uh, compliance is an important factor for picking a tenant. You want tenants that will do what they're told uh, or asked of. So if they half fill it out and they, or they just put NA or they just give you a, a, a skeleton application, don't accept that. Either they fill it out completely or you're not going to consider them because, again, it's not just compliance, it's also what they're hiding. If they're not putting something down, either they're non-compliant or they're hiding something, both of which should be disqualifying factors. Uh, one of the questions I always ask is, you know, we're going to have to run a credit and criminal search. Is there anything that I'll find that I won't like? That's important to ask because you're going to find stuff that they don't like. But it, it, they should be honest about it. If, if they tell you, yes, I was arrested for a DUI three years ago, and then you find a DUI, you won't be surprised. But if they say, no, 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 I have no criminal, you know, no, no credit problems, no criminal, and then all these things come up, that's untruthfulness. Again, a good reason to bounce someone on an application. You want to get the references from two previous landlords, not just the current one, two. Um, and the reason is, is because a, a current landlord might say, oh, they're great just to get rid of them because they can't get rid of them. Um, <laughs> you know, so the, the current landlord, the previous landlord, this is a great question I got from Jeffrey Taylor, mrlandlord.com. I put on my app, have you ever had trouble with your current landlord? Oh boy, the answer better be no, because if they've got problems with their current landlord, guess what? They're going to have problems with you. So it depends on how they answer it or if you inquire more. I mean, obviously, if the landlord, you know, broke into my apartment and, and, and put cameras in, oh, you know, that, that's a legitimate gripe. But if it seems like petty stuff, um, they're going to have that same petty problem with you. Try if you've got weak uh, especially younger people, try to get a guarantor. Like if you get a 21-year-old, get a parent to guarantee the lease or co-sign on the lease. You know, you want to get as many people on the hook. And again, if there are three adults, three applications. Okay. Um, what if they put on the lease, uh, you, uh, you know, A, B, and C, and their two children, and then their adult child comes home from college and wants to live there. Well, that's an adult, and you can charge an extra fee. Not for additional children, though. If they have a adopted child or they have another child, you can't charge extra for that. Okay? Um, so thoroughly screening will avoid 90% of the bad tenant problems. If you do come across a situation where you got a problem tenant, first of all, be friendly. There's nothing, no, don't have to be nasty, you don't have to be, uh, yell at them. Be friendly, be nice, be sweet, but be firm. You have to treat people in, 
in rental properties almost like teenagers, right? You got to lay out the rules, what you expect of them. Be nice. Don't get nasty. But don't bend and break your own rules because you feel bad for them. Because you're you're just doing is you're taking money out of your own pocket and giving it to them by doing that. If you want to be charitable, go give to a nice charity, work for a nice charity. But charity doesn't apply to the real estate for profit business, okay? Um, unless you have a specific charitable use of your property, that's great. But remember, if they're asking you to to not pay rent or break rules or or, or postpone payments. They're basically taking money out of your pocket because you got to still pay your mortgage taxes, etc. So they're asking you to basically lend them the money, which is not right. Um, when things do go bad, if there is a violation, file notices in writing and timely. Now, there's two kinds of notices. There's an email, a text, a phone message, or whatever you leave on their door just saying, hey, you got to stop doing X, versus a formal notice, which is a notice to correct or a notice to you know, pay rent or, or leave. Um, usually, rent is due on the 1st. Um, depends on how much of a grace period you give. Most people give five days or three days or something. Not at all. There's no law that requires a grace period. If my rule is, if we don't have it by the 5th, um, then we give them an informal notice, an email, a call, a text. If they haven't played by the 10th, they get a formal three-day or whatever it is in your state where you're renting properties uh, notice to pay or quit. That's a formal notice that has to be served. Okay, And you got to be familiar with your service rules in your state. In some states, you can't serve that notice yourself. You have to have a process server or a third party do it. Um, and if they haven't, um, and, and by the way, whether or not you're still talking and, and, you know, communicating, the notices don't stop. The notices go forward. So if we don't have rent by the 20th, then we're going to start in a formal eviction. That might even be late. You know, some people do the 15th, but by the 20th for sure. Because what you don't want to do is listen to their stories and excuses and work with them month after month. And after like two or three months, you realize they're not going to pay. And then you have to start the paperwork at that point, and you're behind the eight ball a few weeks. So always keep the, the, the system rolling in terms of uh, the notices, the eviction process, and so forth. Once you file that eviction or once you incur an attorney's fee, they got to pay the late fee plus the attorney's fee and any notice fees that are spelled out on your lease in order to um, to, to uh, get current. Um, a common problem that happens is, let's say you have due on the 1st, late on the 5th, and then you get a check in the mail on the 8th. Now, a lot of landlords will ignore that and just say, well, I got it, so I'm lucky. I think that's a mistake because what you're doing is you're setting up a bad precedent. There's a there's a principle in law called latches, L-A-C-H-E-S. It's a defense that if someone brings up that basically means use it or lose it. Example, you receive rent on the 8th, the 9th, the 10th for two, three, four, five, six months in a row. On the seventh month, they default. You go file for an eviction. And now you want all the late fees from the previous six months. Their attorney, or if they know enough, or maybe even the judge might even say it on his own, that this is, you basically waived your right to the late fee because you didn't say anything. That's the defense of latches. Okay, so meaning use it or lose it. Otherwise, you waive your rights. 
Okay, so make sure you preserve your right to a late fee. And what usually happens is, let's say the rent is fifteen hundred, the late fee is a hundred, and they pay on the eighth. So what they've incurred is a hundred dollar penalty, and they've paid fifteen hundred, not sixteen hundred. What you do is you send them in a notice and say thank you for your $1,400 payment and your $100 late fee. You still owe 100 for this month. Make sure your lease says this. Most leases say that any money that comes in first goes to penalties, um, late fees, and other types of fees, and lastly to rent. It's got to say that in your lease in order for you to do this. So... If the rent comes late, you give a notice saying we've applied 1400 of that towards your monthly rent, 100 towards late fees. You're still short 100 bucks. Pay up. Okay? Um, and, and that's the way you got to do it. And you can be nice. You know, I, in fact, I think you should be helpful. Just be helpful. Don't offer them leniency financially, but try to help them as a human being steer towards solutions. Again, we're dealing with a lot of times teenager mentality. People, especially in, you know, I have to hate to say it, you know, as a, as a, as a stereotype, but people in lower income properties tend to, you know, not have their life together very well. So try to steer them towards solutions. So Mr. Tenant, do you have a credit card you want to pay with? You know, everybody has a, system of collecting credit cards if you don't paypal is, is the easiest or stripe or, or um, square you know all those services um you could what i like about uh paypal uh is you can invoice them online they could pay online um you could ask them do you can you take a cash advance from your credit card can you go to one of those paycheck stores and get an advance on your paycheck can you borrow from your family you have stuff you could sell you, know, you have a lot of stuff you could sell on eBay or Craigslist or whatever. Uh, could you get an extra part-time job if this is going to continue to be a problem? Um, can you move out early? If it's a repeated problem month after month, I mean, you might suggest they move out early. Uh, especially if you've got a situation where rents are rising like we are right now. Um, if not, then you may want to keep them because it might be more expensive than missing um, a month's rent and always try to work with them because if you're nasty and you don't, and you're not helpful, um, it's more of a reason on the way out to leave the place either trashed or loaded with junk. I'm not so much worried about losing a month's rent. What I'm worried about is they leave four couches, two beds, a dresser, and I have to pay now 1-800-JUNK-GOT-JUNK, you know, 1200 bucks to, to, to haul that off. And that's the biggest problem. Um, so make sure if you work something out with them where they move out early, help them with the logistics. Uh, can you get a truck? Do you have a credit card? Do you need help? And and try to be helpful. Again, don't stop the process, the notices, the eviction. You know, be firm on your rules, but you can be helpful because chances are you've got your crap together better than they do in terms of life. You know what I mean? Um, so... You know, they probably need a life coach <laughs> if they're in that situation. So, you know, be that a little bit for them. Um, if you're going to evict, do not do it yourself. Use an attorney uh, for many reasons. One is it's, you get too personal about it in court. It's a waste of your time. 
And if you don't do it regularly, you're going to screw up the paperwork. I don't even do my own evictions, and I'm an attorney. And I used to do my first two or three years of practice law in the early 90s. I used to do hundreds and hundreds of evictions. And I screwed them up the first couple of months. I got my cases bounced left and right, and my clients were pissed. And I learned the hard way. Um, it's very technical. It's not hard, but it's very technical. How many copies? Where do you file? How many days? What's the fee? Um, and then you got to sit around in landlord-tenant court. Instead, hire an attorney who's a specialist. They're usually fairly cheap because if they're handling 20 cases at a clip in, in any one day in a county, they'll show up and say, yeah, I'm here for plaintiff one, two, three, four, five. And instead of charging you by the hour, they can charge you a flat fee or a cheaper fee because they're there for multiple clients. And plus, being in the system, they know the judges, they know the you know the system, the clerks. Use an attorney. Just factor that into your business model. Um, in terms of notices, the, the prior to the eviction notice, the late notice or the notice to correct or stop doing something or um, they're violating the lease. Um, make sure you learn the proper forms and how to serve them. Don't just write a nasty email. I mean, those are the preliminary things. Just, hey, you know, um, I heard from the neighbor that you're doing X, please stop. And at some point you're gonna have to give them a formal notice of violation in order to evict them for that violation. So talk to your eviction attorneys, find out the proper forms. How do you serve them? Do you have to mail them? Could, could you pay, paste it on the door? Do you have to nail and mail, meaning post it on the door and mail it within a certain time period? Does it have to be certified? You know, just don't get tripped up in all the technical garbage. Make sure you know this stuff. Um, and again, if you get partial payment, partial payment, don't stop the process, okay? If you get partial payment or you get a promise, I'm going to pay it this weekend, that's great. Keep the process rolling. They can always, you can always stop it. You can get the judgment and then not execute it with the sheriff to throw them out, okay? Keep the communication going throughout the process as well as best you can. If they won't respond to emails, text them. If they won't text, call them. If they won't answer, knock on the door. Okay. Keep communication. You know, one of the things I, I, I recall saying to many, many people who have young kids is I pull the father aside or the mother aside and say, listen, the sheriff is going to be here on Tuesday. Your kids' stuff, their toys will be on the front lawn. Don't put them through that. Don't put them through that, that horror. They'll remember it and they'll resent you for it. All right. Don't put your family through this. I can help you. I can get a moving truck. What can I do to help you? And I've had people take that advice, and I thought other people, nope, this stuff ended up on the sidewalk, you know? And it was traumatic. The kids were crying. You know, it was horrible, but you know, it's, not my, it's not my fault. It's their fault for me and bad parents. Um, consider alternatives to eviction. If possible, I'd rather pay a wave payments and then give more money, cash for keys, or a payment plan to get them out of the property. Because if you go that route, even though you know you, you might emotionally feel like, well, that's not fair. Uh, they don't deserve that. They owe me money. I'm going to get them. Forget it. If it's cheaper and easier to pay them money to give you the keys, possession, and all their stuff out, because remember, it's not just getting the eviction. It's the sheriff's fees. It's the mover's fees. It's the dumpster fees. That could cost you thousands of dollars. Make sure if you have an opportunity to say to the tenant, listen, if you're out by, you know, five days from now, place is clean, 
hand me the keys. I will waive all the back payments. I won't report to the credit bureaus. Reality is you can't really anyway. But you won't evict them, and you'll give them some money, you know, cash in hand. So what I try to do is like five days, you get 500 bucks. If it's seven days, it's 300 bucks. If you're not out in 10 days, I'm going to get the sheriff. Okay, so they, they understand there's a there's a there's a carrot and a stick here in the, in this process. If you do resolve it out of court, make sure you get them to sign a general release form. That's a form that basically says they waive all claims against you. Because even though cash for keys is an agreement for possession, that doesn't mean they can't come sue you later for discrimination for you know, damages to their stuff because of a leak or mold, etc., etc., etc. Okay, so make sure they fill out one, sign it before a notary. That's a general release of all claims. Planning in the future for dealing with tenants that might be problematic after you have a situation is what did you learn from this situation? I mean, where could you have gone gone wrong? What could you have done better? How could you have handled it better? Um, How could you change maybe your screening process? Is there something faulty in the process? Is it the lease? Is it the lease need more clarification or amendment? Or is it the way you dealt with the tenant? Whatever it is, make it a learning situation and make sure just that situation just doesn't happen again. You know, it's, uh, it's expensive to make a mistake, but it's even more expensive and frustrating to make the same mistake twice. Don't do that. All right, so make sure you have a good screening system, lease, um, process for moving uh, um, on notices, the eviction process, the, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay? And then once you've got that down, make sure you review this with your property manager if you're using them. You know, they may have a lot of experience, but that doesn't mean what they're doing is the best. I had to train my property manager on cash for keys. You know, they, they, they weren't doing that. They were just going right to eviction. I said, that's crazy. I'd rather pay them to go away. And a lot of people will not only sue to get a judgment and possession, they'll try to collect that judgment afterwards against the person for the next five years. And it's just, why bother? Why bother? I mean, unless you have a, you know, like a real easy one, like they're dumb enough to have the same bank account, um, after you have the judgment that they had before you had the judgment. So you look at their last rent check and you look on the back of the stamp and you could see it's Chase Bank. And let's see how dumb they are. I got a judgment. I go to Chase Bank to execute it. And boy, there's money in the account. Let's see how dumb they are. Um, and some people are that dumb, but most aren't. Um, or you they work for UPS or some big company where you could garnish wages. But for the most part, especially on low-income tenants, I don't bother. And it's it's partly because it, it's negative for me. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be emotionally attached to the idea. The chances of collecting are very low anyway. And, you know, part of me feels almost a little bad, you know. I mean, I, maybe, maybe I'm being soft, but look, I'm a landlord and they're a tenant. You know, I'm, I'm lucky in life. It doesn't mean I'm going to be soft and give them money, give them breaks all the time, but I just feel like it's bad karma to go after people like that unless they trash the place if they go in there and just trash the place you'll have insurance money usually to cover that if it's vandalism but if it's not covered then you know i may then you know it's a little different because it could be a lot of damage okay yeah that's you know if you follow those guidelines i just went over and you know do it 
as much as you can and learn from your mistakes. You will learn to be a great landlord, an effective one, a profitable one, and you'll find that rental properties aren't so bad to deal with and, and bad tenants aren't so hard to deal with. Thank you for listening to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com.